everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. Welcome to the show. So right now, we are wrapping up a series called For the Love of Good Change, and I have literally loved everything about this series. Um, so many things that I've heard over the course of the last several episodes um, have worked their way immediately and directly into the book I'm writing. So useful is this counsel and instruction and um, I've really been floored by every single guest and I've learned so much and I honestly wish it would go on forever. And so, um, I'm just always grateful for really wise teachers who lead us well. And I feel absolutely the same about this next guest. Um, so Miles Adcox, you guys, he's an entrepreneur, he's a speaker, he's a host, he's a coach. Miles is the owner and the CEO of OnSite, which you might have heard of. It's an emotional wellness lifestyle brand that delivers, honestly, life-changing personal growth workshops and content and leadership retreats and emotional um, care. Miles has been a featured speaker and a facilitator at a, just a truckload of events, um, including Rising Strong Day with our fan favorite, Dr. Brene Brown and TEDx. And he's consulted major brands on organizational health and emotional wellness. And um, he's a mental health consultant to the entertainment industry. Um, I mentioned this later in the interview, but he has literally um, mattered to so many friends of mine who have put themselves under um, the care of OnSite that I can't even count them. Um, with absolutely outstanding um, results from literally every single one of them. So uh, Miles and his wife, Vanessa, who is legit, a Hallmark movie star, and their adorable son, Maverick, baby girl on the way, live in Nashville. Um, and so listen, you guys, Miles has a list of credentials, literally like as long as my arm, but he is one of the kindest, warmest, most humble people you will ever meet. Um, and by his own admission, he's very wary of experts and gurus. So, you know, I'm into that. Um, I'm excited to share this conversation with Miles because we talk a lot about therapy for the next hour. And, um, if you've never been therapy can probably seem daunting because opening up is scary. Um, to somebody, a stranger specifically, and that can be really, really hard. And um, just here's my stuff. Here's what I'm needing. Take it and go. It's a, it's a pretty, it takes courage to do that. Um, but it is so worth it. It has mattered so much in the life of my family, our marriage, my kids, and virtually everybody that I am close to, that I'm colleagues with, that, um, that I serve alongside of. And so I am a huge believer in soul care and in therapy and in counseling. And so this conversation is so good. You're going to, you are going to love this. And I just want to tell you in advance, there is a moment that I, we both just kind of break because Miles tells a story that I was not prepared for. It is so tender and sweet. And um, so whatever your experience with therapy is, you're going to be glad you listen for the next hour. Um, I think you'll find this really encouraging and really good for you as a human person. Um, and 
And here's the deal. Therapy isn't for broken people. Therapy is for everyone. And I love how Miles talks about it. So we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit um, toward the journey to emotional wellness. And with that, I am so pleased to share my conversation with the wonderful and wise Miles Adcox. Okay, Miles, um, welcome so much welcome to the For the Love podcast. Um, Brandon and I, who you know also, just think the world of you and what you do. And we respect and admire you so much and appreciate your leadership, appreciate your service to people. And um, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for thank you for having me. And and likewise, I love you guys and what you're about and what you do. So definitely a, a fan of how you guys show up in the world. So I'm glad to be here. Thank you. In fact, as I was walking out to my office just a minute ago to um, to hop on the podcast with you, um, Brandon was inside and he was like, "Have a great conversation with Miles." He's like, "Listen, Miles is one of those guys that when you when you meet him and spend time with him for a minute, you think." There's no way that this guy can be real because nobody is this good and this kind, but he is. So anyway, that was Brandon Hatmaker's endorsement five minutes ago. Uh, with you. <laughs> so look, I've told our listeners a little bit about you and, and what it is you do, kind of the scope of your work. But um, I'd actually love for us first to learn a little bit about you in your own words, kind of aside from what it is you do. I I mean, I so deeply, so many of us equate ourselves to our careers. Um, I believe that you and I are both Enneagram threes. And so that is our life's work um, to unpeel that. But, but it's not true. We're not our jobs. Um, So I wonder if you could tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. And I I appreciate the relating to that. That's been a, it's been so interesting that I found myself in a career and and have a company that helps people do just that, uh, figure out what parts of them, uh, are a human being and what parts of them are a human doing and, and, and find a lane to separate those. And I, I struggle with the very thing that we teach as ironic as that is. So I sometimes have a hard time separating myself from what I do, but I've really worked on that over, over the years. And, you know, today I would proudly start with, uh, I'm a dad, I'm a proud father, I'm a, a proud husband. Um, I am uh, got a little boy and a little girl on the way. So yes. uh, we'll have a new addition <laughs> in April. <laughs> How old's your son? Uh, he's 18 months. That's what I thought. I thought you're, 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 you're going to be in the weeds a little bit, in the most glorious weeds. Very sleep deprived, Dad. Yes, but yes. a very happy one, and it's been it's a, uh, a humbling and incredible journey, as you know. But it's um, that's my favorite title uh, today, and I, I, aside from that, I, I love um, what makes people tick. So I, I just I've always been curious about human beings. I, I love community, love connection. Um, I love also a uh, similar passion for the outdoors and all four leggeds too. I love animals. I grew up with horses. And so I consider myself an outdoorsman. That's where I take my deepest breaths and uh, where I enjoy spending a lot of time. So that's a little bit about me. And you are married um, yep. to a person who is um, a part of these beautiful human beings you're creating. Well, my wife's name is Vanessa. She's amazing and amazing mom. And yeah, so we, uh, her name's Vanessa and she's Love it. so talented. Uh, but the way she shows up uh, for our kiddos has is, is been something amazing to watch. 
That's fan- that's fantastic. There is something, some sort of um, switch does flip um, when your wife becomes your kid's mom or your husband becomes your kid's dad. There's just territory you didn't know to expect. You don't. You didn't know how to perceive it. You didn't know what it was going to look like, and it is. But that is a real wonderful um, delight in sort of the path of, of marriage. I love it. Um, so someone with your work experience, as you kind of mentioned, you've always sort of leaned into what makes people tick and um, and just sort of the human part of being human beings. So I'm curious about your background and your, your sort of own emotional wellness journey. Can, can you talk about where your own path to healing began and, and what sort of maybe initially drew you to this kind of work? So I uh, had my share of, of struggle and it took me, it took me a little bit of time to find the right people to come around me at the right time. When they did, uh, through the lens of, of counseling and other ways, I just fell in love with the change process. So the way it looked for me is I, I grew up in a wonderful family and, and we've, we, but yet not a perfect family. I've learned there are none of those. Uh, but ours uh, did a lot of things well. In in some things, we've had to to change generational patterns and evolve out. Of. And I'd say a, a big theme is just um, the idea of emotional literacy and uh, emotional health. We just didn't talk feelings. You know, we were a very traditional Southern family. And we uh, just didn't do intimacy as well as we did the other things. We showed up for each other the best ways we knew how. And I am so thankful for that because there's a lot of people that don't have that in their lives. But that last piece, there was definitely a deficit. And uh, so from that, I began to, I'd say, seek out uh, my place in the world in some not so healthy ways. You know, I've got two amazing siblings who who adapt pretty well and have done pretty pretty well. And, and, and I, I didn't. And I see that a lot where people grow up in the same system and some, some people go one way and some people go the other. So I definitely took the other route and became kind of the black sheep of the family for a while. And I, uh, I didn't know what to call it because I didn't have the language for it, but I started experiencing some depression and anxiety early on. And I was, you know, in, in high school and college, it was um, leaned hard on popularity and athletics and all the things you do to get accepted. But I didn't realize that there was a part of me internally that was working overtime to try to get acceptance. Because I just didn't really know how to accept myself at the time, and which is so common for that age. Uh, but I didn't stop it. So it moved on into my early 20s. And that's when it kind of caught up with me because it's not sustainable really for anybody chasing their worth externally. But I was doing that and became a performer, um, uh, meaning anything I tried to do, I tried to do it perfectly, which is not a sustainable thing either. So anyway, I, I ended up uh, starting to, some of the discomfort that was uh, came from compounding emotion or not having an outlet to feel, especially, you know, you know, as a man, which you already kind of have that script going into the world, no matter what that uh, it started coming out sideways. And it was so uncomfortable, I started medicating it and numbing it out a lot of unhealthy ways. Um, and, it, you know, it was fun for a minute, and then quickly it wasn't fun anymore. It just kind of leads you towards a lonely path. So uh, I thankfully um, had an opportunity to to kind of crash or I guess the deconstruct because the 
even when I felt my worst, I did everything in my power to show you my best because it's kind of the message I took from the church, you know, that I grew up. And finally, thankfully, I couldn't I couldn't spend all those plates anymore. I got lucky that I didn't do that into my 50s because I know so many that that just they they hold it up and they wake up one day and they're miserable. And I got lucky it happened for me in my early 20s. And then that's when I had those people uh, come around me. And I just got fortunate to uh, start to rebuild, open up, and, and change. And since then, it changed me professionally, and it, it or changed me personally, and then it changed the trajectory of what I wanted to do professionally. Mm. Um, so professionally speaking, I it's interesting. I think therapy has come a really long way, um, definitely in the last generation in terms of branding and social acceptance. You know, our my parents' generation, this just wasn't a thing. It wasn't um, common. It certainly wasn't admitted. It, it was really poorly understood. Um, uh, but, but still, sometimes I still think we hold on to some antiquated ideas about therapy. And truthfully, therapy isn't for broken people, right? Can you, can you just tell us a little bit more about this, about this sort of approach to soul and mental care? Yes, and I'm, I'm glad you started with that. Because I, I fully subscribe to it. The more we're learning about trauma and, and emotional trauma in my space, the more we're learning that nobody really escapes it at some level. Now, certainly people experience it at much bigger scales, and you don't ever want to get into the comparison thing. But at the end of the day, we're all humans, and we're all going to experience significant uh, loss in our lives, and we'll all experience it and show up differently because of it. So therapy, to me, has been branded all wrong for a long time. It's, it was set up as this is where you go when something's wrong with you. And it's really what's wrong with you. It's what's right with you, that you would uh, take a deep dive on what parts of your narrative aren't serving you and the people around you and, and try to become a better version of who you are. And I, 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 when I got you know, in, in therapy, I will say it's like any other profession. It's, it has a wide array of um, talent. In modalities, and uh, it's you know it's got it's kind of like you know faith or anything thing else. It's got conservative arms and very liberal and uh, faith based and non faith based and uh, across the spectrum. So you really have to find what works for you. But when I found it, and it took a minute, but when I found the right people at the right time with the right processes, I just I I I was so excited, Jan, that I walked out of there and I thought everybody I know need opportunity to experience this. And why am I one that was lucky enough to have this breakdown in my life that I got this gift? So I've never looked at it like a, a punishment. I've always looked at it like, oh, this is just a gift most people don't even know they deserve. So many people say to me, I need, I, I need this or I need this. And it's a, it's a quick redirect. It's like, you don't need it. You deserve it. You just do. Hmm. Um, the reason that I'm pausing is because I'm taking notes. <laughs> Um, that is so good. I, I'm, I'm wondering if just for a minute, you, cause you mentioned something that I think probably a lot of my listeners, um, can relate to, which is there's so many, so many strands and brands of therapy there. It has a thousand different faces like any, you know, um, area does. And, and, you know, you just mentioned that it took you a minute to find the one that works for you. I, I, I wonder if you could walk us through that a little bit. Like for the person listening who is, um, 
curious here, and, and this is a place that she or he is wanting to lean into and explore because she or he deserves it, as you mentioned. Do you have any advice or best practices or general suggestions to offer us in terms of how to find the right place, how to find the right therapist? This sounds very, um, I don't know what the word is. It sounds very backwards in a digital world, but I actually think a third party referral is the best way to go. And it can come from a professional or it can come from a person, but ultimately, um, that's a hard question to ask because typically we, we want to get therapy in private and that's why the internet has been a useful tool. You don't necessarily want to go to a friend or your pastor or somebody else and say, do you know a good therapist? But let me encourage you, those of you that are listening, that's the best way I've found to do it because people typically know people with no experiences and you're usually a quarter turn away from somebody who has has done or that is in therapy. And honestly, I refer to the people who I know and have a relationship with. The one, I mean, obviously they have to be really good at what they do, but I need to know the person behind the credential to know whether or not they're going to be able to effectively connect and and, and do the dance that we call effective therapy. Hmm. That's great counsel. So let's talk a little bit about on-site. Um, I know a lot of our listeners are familiar with it, um, probably because some very influential and wise and wonderful people have benefited from your services that a lot of us know. Um, but some of them are hearing, of course, about OnSite for the first time today. So can you talk about what it is you do there? And what's your goal for people who come to OnSite for help? We're, I'm, I'm a big believer that if we can enhance uh, the emotional health of you know, kind of one individual at a time, collectively we can improve uh, communities and change our culture. From our corner of the world, we're trying to do that in a lot of you know, creative ways. We're a, an emotional health retreat center that offers some wonderful therapeutic services. But one reason why a lot of people trust us and come to us is because we've done our best to depathologize the process and humanize it. So we don't we don't see people as diagnoses. You know, obviously there's some there's a clinically sophisticated approach that we use. Our people are matched level and trained, and they're really good. But I work hard to make sure that they get permission to show up as people first. We're we're advocates uh, for anybody that facilitates a service at our place. They've actually gone through the program themselves. I don't I don't like the idea that anybody takes where they haven't been willing to go themselves. And we want our people doing their own work, especially in our space, because the, just the burnout and secondary vicarious trauma is so high. But I know I'm talking at a, at a higher higher level, but we're, we, we're on uh, 250 acres just west of Nashville. It's a beautiful campus. Uh, we've, and, you know, a lot of people have called us everything from therapy camp, who knows what. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to call us just, you know, we've never branded this way, but human school, honestly. I like it. Human school. Love uh, it. That, you know, we, people would come uh, so that we learn to be more humane to ourselves and therefore be more humane to the people around us and the rest of the world. And I, and I, and I think that's where it all starts and, and ends. Well, and one thing I want my um, my podcast community to know specifically is um, you and I have just a ton of um, friends and colleagues in common, and I have so many precious people to me that have come to you, that have come to OnSite, and with no exceptions, not not a single one, 
with 100% reporting rate. Every single one of my friends has um, told me that their time at OnSite has changed their life. And so I respect your integrity and um, your very careful and tender care of the human soul. And, um, and I know, I just, I know from one degree out that, that it delivers, it delivers what people need. So, so let me ask you this, opening up just in general, it's vulnerable. It's such a super vulnerable experience. And I don't, I don't believe that we're necessarily conditioned to do that. That's, that's not what a lot, that's not the messaging that we start getting when we're young, when that, um, those sorts of disclosures, um, can be used against you, right? Or they, um, people, um, use them to their advantage or, um, so because of it, I think a lot of us are afraid. Um, to give ourselves over, to give our hearts and souls and minds over to someone um, who may not understand or do more harm than good. And so for somebody who might be interested in seeking help uh, from a therapist or a counselor, let's just say for the first time, um, how does your staff at OnSite find the kinds of therapists that fit with your culture and your clients? Like, how do you manage that very careful exchange of vulnerability and information in a way um, that they know when we come to you, we can trust your people? I'm still breathing deep from the affirmations you gave me earlier about uh, your feet. <laughs> so I'd it's real. You for- Every word of it, real. You know what? Thank you for that, though. That is meaningful, and the way you reflected it um, was powerful. So it was good, good to hear, and very encouraging. Mm. I appreciate You're that. And then You're welcome. We spend a lot of time, uh, honestly, obsessing about how do we curate uh, psychological safety in an environment where uh, people feel uh, empowered and not judged, and seen and, and valued, and ultimately feel connected at their core. If you're at home right now and, and, and have never made a call to reach out to somebody about a dark secret or some emotional pain or some stress and fear, I know that I know that 10,000 pound phone. I've, I have multiple times in my life and I'm not immune to it now as a professional in my space. Uh, when I, uh, find myself in a place that is needing change, you can have all the self-awareness in the world, but you're fighting a biological response and a cultural condition that tells you to hide it at all costs. And that's not something that is easy to shake. I just, I, I want to set the intention that you can do this in your community, in, in church, in your friend group. Um, you can work on yourself to become better better for the people around you. And and we spend a lot of time on that, Jen. That's, that's uh, how do we create safety? How do we sustain it? How does the back office uh, match the service we're trying to deliver? And it, and it doesn't always. And when it's not, we need to be transparent about it. Uh, but we, we've got – so we're I, – I guess that would be my quick answer is we just hold uh, relationships on high and trust and sacred. And we work hard um, – as hard to try to accomplish those as we do anything else we might deliver. That's so great. Um, taking that kind of one one step further, 
you know, we hear from people often, therapy changed my life, right? Or therapy, um, they brought me into a place of healing or um, this absolutely revolutionized my relationship or whatever it is. Um, But sometimes we don't know (laughs) from an outsider, like, how did that happen? Like, what what happened in those sacred minutes and hours and, um, and spaces? And so I wonder if you could talk through... What you've seen in your experience, um, what are some of the very the very tangible gains that people can get from going to therapy? Like what kind of skills um, can they develop? How do they become more equipped for human school, as you have said? And um, what, what are sort of the, and of course, this varies wildly from person to person, of course, but just sort of from a, from a 30,000 foot view, um, what would you say, these are the things that I have seen um, therapy accomplish in the life of the people that are brave enough and willing enough to step into it? Well, I'll I'll speak from my own experience and then pivot into my professional thought on it. Uh, I was not and am not, (laughs) you know, a a candidate for a life-changing experiences through the lens of therapy. I mean, I was an atypical male, grew up in in the South. I was, um, I got all the uh, messages of masculinity uh, that, were damaging about what it's like to be a man's man. And I'm a hunter, fisher, fish, fisherman. I, I, I'm an athlete. So I, I shouldn't have responded to this the way that I did. And and yet it was the most, is the most powerful thing I've ever uh, encountered. And it's not because I did 180 degrees. I still love all those things. I still am very much, I've just retooled what it, what it is to be a man's man. It's not all those where it's not all those. It's both. I can have both. Um, I'm, uh, I'm sensitive and I'm tough and, and, and everything in between. And I, and I love that part of me. I guess the biggest thing was I got more self-awareness. I got less shame. I got more permission to not pretend and wear a mask. And I got, I, and this sounds a little, you know, I don't know how much of your audience is, is men. It doesn't matter, men or women, it's the same. Um, but I got permission to integrate both the masculine and feminine. In, in, That's good. In it, no, we need that too, of course. You know, women are regularly told that they um, their strength is a threat, um, that their desire should be squashed in any capacity, that... Um, that we should be gentle and tender at all times. And so women who are naturally bold or naturally gifted at leadership or have a lot of ambition or um, very fierce convictions, we also need to be told that we have permission to embrace both sides of our character. Mm -hmm. I think it allows you to embrace all parts of you, even the ones you didn't know about. And there is, I can't even begin to explain the freedom uh, that, that comes with that. So most, most people sum it up to that. There's a lot of ways to get there. And for some people, they're just kind of unpacking old stuff, getting through new stuff, or navigating difficult transitions in their lives. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that come to us and life is going really well. They, mm. just, they, just, they just want to raise their EQ and become a more whole human. And, and that's how they invest their time. That's a great point. Um, again, back to one of your original comments, which is that um, this, this isn't just because people need it. It's because they deserve it. And there isn't a type of person, um, that's a good candidate for therapy. In fact, a lot of people who benefit greatly from it, from all outsiders perspective, have it all. 
or they look like they have it all or everything looks like it's going well. And in some cases it is. Um, and so there's just, there's so much under it. There's so many benefits, um, sometimes hidden that we don't even know. We don't, we don't even know we need until somebody puts it in front of us and gives us permission. Hey guys, Jen breaking in for just a minute with a quick message about our sponsor this week. So I don't know if you're like me when it comes to skincare products. It's like a good day if you maybe remember remember to put on lip balm, um, maybe some lotion at night. I don't know. Those are good days. Um, we've been bombarded by the billions of choices out there when it comes to skincare products. And it's all like confusing and exhausting to me because I'm just a normal person. So that's why I got pretty excited to learn about beauty by design. And so they have these personalized solutions toward your skincare products. And so how it works is you go to their site, you take a survey, a quick survey, it doesn't take that long, and a selfie. And they put together a formula that fits your skin to a T. And what's really great about their products, and this matters to me because I have super sensitive skin, all their products are vegan and cruelty-free and all natural. And so it's so easy to get personalized cleansers and moisturizers and serums and really anything you need that are created with over like 250 organic performance ingredients. And so I went through the entire process and I could not be more thrilled. It was easy. They were attentive, asked a lot of really good questions, and I was thrilled with the products that I received. Um, so to experience obviously the world's most personalized skincare online, um, go to beautybydesign.com slash for the love. And use the promo code for the love today. And first time customers, our listeners get 20% off. That's a pretty good deal. So that's beautybydesign.com slash for the love promo code for the love and get 20% off. You're going to love it. Let me ask you this because I'm thinking about my listeners and kind of where a lot of them are at in their lives. And um, a, a lot of my listeners are somewhere in the midst of a, of a transition in life. That's just, of course, ubiquitous, absolutely common, normal, good, um, and looks a thousand different ways, whether it's kind of um, transitioning your family and parenting or your marriage into a new space. It could be career transition, spiritual. There's just, you know, that's super, super normal. Um but I, I would love for you to talk about this because as we sort of encounter natural life transitions, um, do you think it's important sometimes to seek outside help as they are occurring? Um, I wonder, like even personally, has your own internal processing changed as you got married and then as you became a father? And um, obviously so many of our transitions can be beautiful and they're wonderful and they come after years of longing for them, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're easy to navigate. And so a lot of people find themselves reeling and confused why they are. Um, what would you say um, to people who find themselves in the in-between and unsure how to handle their shifting emotions? I think Brene says it best with the, you know, the mess is kind of in the middle, but the, but it doesn't feel like that. It's, it sucks, frankly. Uh, when you, when we've been conditioned our whole life to uh, build everything around us in a way that makes us feel comfortable um, we've got the askew perception on comfort 
And when I started rumbling with my own story and reconciling, and I say started, I'm still doing it. And I've been doing this for a long time. It's just become way more enjoyable and way less stressful. So I live in transition. I learned, I finally learned that. I wasn't trying to get somewhere that life, especially uh, pursuing personal growth or a better version of yourself. And it doesn't matter if it's emotional or on the spiritual side to become more spiritual, more emotional. It's not a circular price. It's, it's linear. I mean, it's not linear. It's circular. It's going to continue to cycle back. And so I transition initially feels so uncomfortable because it feels so new. Uh, everything in us uh, wants to turn back towards comfort, do a 180 degree shift. And that's what our goal is. And what I would say is don't set your goal at 180 degrees, set it on two degrees. Sailors know this. Over time, two degrees is going to change who you are and, and make you more comfortable with the transition process. Really good companies, really good sports teams, really good creatives, really good any profession will tell you that the more you're able to live in change, the more successful and sustainable you'll become as a human and a professional. Same applies here. So the ultimately, and I hate to say it because I don't want you to rush through the hard parts, but the for for whatever reason, this, this circumstance that feels out of control, painful, don't rush through it, but give it time. Ultimately, what that means is the trauma that we've experienced, processed, held, and worked through appropriately, we can become better, not despite of it, but because of it. And I've seen people do that. I've seen people become, having overcome difficult circumstances in their life, become more resilient, more connected, um, more gracious, more patient, all those things. And I can say I have, but I, I'm one that I don't look to move through transition. I look to get more comfortable in living mm. in it. What good advice. Uh, so um, it goes so against our natural inclination um, to rush it along to its tidy conclusion. Um, but I wish it weren't true, but you're telling the truth, which is, golly, that sort of muddy middle is where every one of my best lessons has ever occurred, for sure. Um, in the weight or in the uncertainty or, um, you know, before the light is dawning, you know, it's, it's so real and it's so true. Um, and I like what you just said, which is if, if we can be courageous enough to start, um, moving through these practices of learning how to be, um, uncomfortable, learning how to sit in the middle, it, it pays dividends. It, that means the next time we encounter it, we have muscle memory for it. And the next time we encounter it, it's even more so. And so it isn't just situational. This work is not just situational. It has like lifetime benefits. And um, I know that's true in my life and my marriage for sure. Uh, can I, go, I would love to go back to something you said earlier. Um, uh, you're an animal guy. You mentioned that. Uh, specifically, you're, you're from a horse family. Um, and you even have a few horses, right? At onsite for therapy. Yes. I'm really interested in this. And I, can you talk for a minute about why you, why you believe animals are so healing for us and, and then bringing it just sort of down to where we all live in our own homes. Do you think our, our own pets can provide the kind of healing that you see in your, your horse therapy programs? <laughs> Mine does. I know that I've yeah. got, I've got a, uh, I've always had dogs around since I was a kid. I grew up 
uh, thankfully on a farm and used to have a pack of dogs everywhere I went and Hmm. it kind of hasn't changed. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But I, yeah, I, I mean, just being in the presence of an animal and it's not for every, everybody, but, uh, cause there, you know, there are people that have, um, physical restrictions and allergies and things, but just being in the presence of, um, an animal lowers your ambient stress alone. Hmm. So that's a good start. Uh, but then let's just talk t- talk horses for a minute. Okay. Uh, horses have a unique ability to see to bypass the outside of a human and see straight into the inside and feel the inside. So they typically know what we're feeling before we do. It's true. They've had to do that uh, because of their genetics that go back uh, hundreds of years or thousands of years before they were domesticated. Uh, they were prey animals, and they still are. So they stay alive with their senses. They have to, and we're predators as humans, so they have to know not what we're presenting, but what actually true intent is. And how beautiful is that, that you get this gentle giant, this 1,100, 1,500-pound animal who's actually a living mirror to what you're feeling. And you can't fool it. You can't trick it. And it it will actually mirror, and they're the most forgiving animals in the world and a lot of people assume because it, it was kind of the cowboy way that um you know you you have you can't be nervous around a horse if you're nervous around and and i've seen i've said this to people and i actually seen some people who are really in touch with who they are they can put horses at ease uh better than uh, a 20 year ranch hand because it's not really about how anxious or nervous you are it's how okay or in touch you are with the nerves and the anxiety and if that's integrated and the horse knows you know it then they don't see you as a threat or dangers they see you as safe and it's I've, and, and, and plus i think it's, it's inv- it, taking people out of their environment gets them into the right into the part of the brain where we where we often hold pain because you're basically creating a three-dimensional living breathing experience it, 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 most talking is, or most therapy is a talking profession. It goes back and, and I think we, it's a miss. I think we, we get wounded in experience and it's our job to curate experiences for people to heal. And that takes a little creativity and it takes us getting out of the box and trying to create, turn stories into pictures and into kinesthetic, into movement. And in this case, into equine. And I've seen people tell horses stuff they'd ne- never tell another human. Wow. So I, I, I yeah I'm a, I'm a big 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 believer in in integrating whatever works and I have really seen horses and, and dogs and animals be huge assets to the human condition and helping people heal and so we just had 50 combat veterans come through a seven day trauma program and uh, there were two service animals two service dogs in the mix uh, and of course we've got service dogs on property and we got our horses on property but I often hear from them. We, we put them through this amazing therapeutic process, and it's, it's always really powerful. But at the end, what was the most, most profound? And it hmm. was really my time with the horses or, you know, I'll bring some professional songwriters in and, and help them turn their trauma or their story into a song and their, or the, the music. It was something in the senses uh, that they latched onto once we woke it up. So it's, it's a powerful means to... Um, to, to get more connected. I love hearing you talk about that. That's putting a smile on my face and uh, my experience backs it up too. I, um, 
I, last year, I, let's see, I guess it was two years ago, my son, my oldest son was a senior in high school and it was his, his senior game as um, a varsity soccer player, which he'd played since he was whatever, five, um, last game of high school and senior night, which in our high school means your parents walk you onto the field. It's a deal. And having no sense of his schedule, at least eight months earlier, I had booked um, a speaking engagement, um, you know, having no idea that those Uh-oh. were going to fall on the same nights. And so I was, I could, I normally in pretty good possession of emotional control and I could not, I could not get on top of it. And so I um, got on my plane and I'm flying to my event and I just was in distress. I mean, I, I couldn't stop the tears and I couldn't, I couldn't get a handle on how I was feeling and I couldn't slow it down. And, um, I was in a seat with nobody was in the middle. I was on the aisle and against the window was a seatmate and she had an emotional support dog, like a little one. And he was just laying underneath her feet. And I'll tell you, I mean, as sure as I'm sitting here, that dog, I sat down and I wasn't hysterical. I'm not blubbering, but I just was sad. And that dog migrated over and sat under my feet, on my feet, sat on my feet the entire flight. And his owner told me, he, she said, look, you must be having some feelings. She said, mm-hmm. you must be, something must be going on in you because she said, my dog does not just indiscriminately go to other people. Certainly not for this amount of time and in this way. And I just thought that dog just picked up on it. That Mm -hmm. dog knew that I was feeling really sad and guilty. And I had a lot of regret in the moment. And there's something weird and healing in that moment. Another thing that I would add, I don't know if you've, if this is your experience too, it might be because you're outdoorsy. Um, But as you said, a lot of healing comes to us through our senses. I've always also found inexplicably, and it could be any number of it can look any kind of way, but water does the same thing for me, like a lake or a river or an ocean or a waterfall or, I mean, even a bathtub. Something about water and what it does, I feel my my blood pressure come down. Um, I feel sort of my teeth unclench. And so there, I appreciate you talking about how um, healing is not just a, to- it's not just talking work. Um, but it's like, it's essential work too. And that matters too. That counts too. I love your, your story about, yes, it a hundred percent. I think when we, when we say something to someone, we kind of activate a third of the brain. When we show it to them, we activate two thirds. When we make it kinesthetic and put it into action, we activate all of it. So it's, uh, you you know, we always think back to certain teachers in our life or mentors that just got you and they understood your learning style. And it was usually the ones that got out of the box and were able to, in some way, mirror back, um, what they hoped you might be able to learn and integrate. It just, you know, and you're right. I've seen, I've got, so many stories uh, with the dogs and horses. I was, I probably should have started with one of those. It was a beautiful one uh, where uh, one of the survivors that was in the Pentagon in 9-11 that was in a cloth, uh, a big, uh, a gelding, um, helped her find her way back into tight places without having a panic attack. And I 
walk through how that happened, but but maybe one of my favorite, we had a dog for a long time that we lost a couple of years ago on campus named Sammy. And he was just, he wasn't trained as a service or emotional support dog, but he was just a natural. He was just a natural caregiver. He was amazing. But we do, something we do in, in one of our group processes is help people find who might have been an angel in their life. Um, and if that word is triggering for people, we'll use another and just something safe. But basically, as we move people into dark corners or hard parts of their story, we want them to have an anchor point. So who's somebody in your life that somewhere along the way was really safe for you at a pivotal time? And it might be a parent, it might be a coach, it might be a teacher, who knows? We went around the room and everybody kind of picked out who their angel was. And then we would have them introduce us to them and put a chair in front of them and say, tell us this person and how they impacted your life so that we kind of get in the room. And we got to one guy and he, he couldn't come up with anybody. Uh, he, he'd had a really tough life, just had overcome a lot of abuse and it was just a messy family situation. And, um, he didn't, he, he didnn't have anybody, but the only per, only thing he could think of is he said there was a dog, you know, I get curious. Yeah, me too. <laughs> when he was a boy, um, that, uh, and it was the only living thing that had ever made him feel safe. And so, you know, we obviously couldn't enroll anybody to play the dog, but I knew, and we broke for lunch, but I knew, uh, Sammy was, was, was just down the hill at the office. And so we went and got Sammy, um, and he didn't know we were going to do this, but once group started back and it was his turn to introduce us to his angel, which was this, this dog that was in his life as a boy, we actually opened the door and Sammy came in. Oh my gosh. And I'm telling you, Jen, um, so dear. 10 people in a circle, two facilitators, Sammy walked straight in that room and it's a 16 by 16 room and mm. he beelined straight to that man, crawled right Did up he? and laughed and started licking tears off his face. Oh my stars. <laughs> How does that happen? That's too sweet. Yeah, it was beautiful. Mm. Oh, thank you for telling that. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't prepared for Sammy. Dang it. <laughs> um, shoot. So, Miles, some um, you mentioned, you know, a lot of my listeners wouldn't be able to come to on-site, um, but love what they're hearing you say and are want to do this work. And you've talked a little bit about how to approach finding um, potentially a therapist or a counselor in our in the communities we live in. And I appreciate that advice. I wonder if you have any other suggestions in terms of resources um, that you could recommend to people who are maybe at the beginning of this. I think everybody should give counseling at least a shot at some point in their trajectory. But understand that counseling and therapy um, don't corner the market of personal transformation and change. It's not the only thing. And I'm in that profession and I'm always weary of people who are in professions that, that kind of, um, uh, uh, present themselves as this is, this is the way, you know, I just, I don't trust that. So, uh, I would say don't trust that either. (laughs) If you hear that. But it is a cool and a great resource. And there are some people, there are some of you who actually have uh, some significant mental health challenges going on. You might be living with addiction or, or there's a number of things that could be happening and you might actually really need professional support. And, and, and if you do, there are, uh, resources out there that have, 
uh, sliding scale opportunities almost in every town. You just have to dig a little deeper. And there are resources out there that uh, are foundation driven that can take you for, for free. I mean, if you, you know, in Nashville, I'm very familiar with some of them. We have a foundation, so don't hesitate to call, even though we can't usually take the volume, but people who can't afford our services, uh, we send a bunch through every year just based on uh, the funding. But there are other groups that, that do that as well. If it's a mental health condition, SAMHSA, which, uh, .org, and uh, we can link that later. Uh, yeah if you don't mind, is a good place to go uh, to find. They're pretty thorough at finding resources for all socioeconomic groups in your area. And, you know, the, sometimes the smaller the town, the, the harder it is to find the professional resource. And that's why I want to say this, is that it doesn't always have to be therapy or counseling in a professional setting. It can be uh, community-driven. Um, it can start with one person and it can end with a group or maybe end with a community or a church or whatever your outlet might be. But if you just slowly start shifting the paradigm towards being truthful, honest, empathetic, without an agenda, other than just be human to human with another person, that's transformational. And it's unbelievable. And I sometimes I get my, my biggest change right now is happening in community, which it's, it's like we're taking it back to what it was supposed to be. And so it, you can, you can do that too. It's not, um, of course there's great books and great resources out there, uh, that talk about vulnerability and change and transformation, both in, in the therapy lane and not. And, and I always think reading good content is great in books, but I really recommend find someone, uh, take the emotional risk, uh, to take your relationship to a little level, a safe person who you feel like can know more of you and start making a practice of revealing a little bit more of you, maybe five minutes a week. It will feel uncomfortable and it will be a game changer. Mm, I cannot agree more. Um, that is, um, that's a practice that I have on the regular in my real life with my real friends and my real, my real little small groups. And, um, it has become so normal, such a normal way that we interact with each other, um, saying true things, asking hard questions, answering honestly, um, being vulnerable that now I don't, I can't imagine another way, but that's, it has not always been true. I early on, I think I came in really guarded to that sort of um, environment and would have absolutely withheld. I would have um, I'm skilled enough to be able to give a community like that enough to make it appear as if I am being vulnerable, but holding back the real stuff. Um, and so I, I can't agree with you more that even just taking the steps of, um, of, of being authentic and tender with another person just in your life, in your real life is a great first step. Hey guys, Jen here, breaking in one more time with a message from a new sponsor. So if you're married, you know what it takes to plan a wedding. It's amazing that any of us survived it to make it to the actual wedding, right? So if you're about to step into the wild world that is planning a wedding, I want to recommend a resource I wish had been around when I was planning my own wedding 25 years ago. It's called Zola. So Zola takes the stress completely out of your wedding planning with free websites, um, your dream wedding registry, these very affordable save the dates and invitations and easy to use planning tools. Um, You can 
very conveniently manage literally everything online and in one place. I cannot stress what a big deal that is. Um, So you can get started with a free wedding website. It's so easy. It just takes a few minutes to set up. There's over a hundred gorgeous wedding website designs to choose from that fit literally any couple's style and virtually every type of wedding. Um, Then you can build your dream registry at Zola. Um, The Zola store has the widest selection of gifts at all different price points for all your different guests. Um, Over 500 top brands um, from OXO and Cuisinart to Sonos and Airbnb. I mean, like literally whatever it is that you guys want. Um, so to start your free wedding website and then also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola, that's Z-O-L-A dot com slash for the love. So that's Zola, Z-O-L-A dot com slash for the love for $50 off your registry and get started with this outstanding wedding planning resource. How great. What a good time to be alive, you guys. All right, back to the show. So I would love for you to talk about one last thing. Uh, You have your own podcast, Bravo. Um, My community is always looking for great teachers like you, new shows like yours. Can you talk a little bit about your podcast? Sure. Yeah, thank you for asking. It's called The Unspoken Podcast, and it uh, ultimately it's based on um, a theory that uh, I kind of watched happen over my years in the space that I work in, in that I've had people, you know, say, "What do you actually do? You know, what what are you, um, what are you helping people do to become better versions of themselves or to have a life changing experience?" And I tried to really synthesize it down to one thing, and it was hard to do. But ultimately, we help people say the unsaid. Uh, and I think saying the unsaid uh, may be one of the hardest but most important things we'll ever do. And sometimes that's going backwards and reclaiming something that was taken from you that shouldn't have been. Sometimes it's in real time uh, to, to find some boundaries or speak into some things that aren't working. And sometimes it's speaking into the future. But creating um, creative, sophisticated uh but simple ways uh, for people to speak their truth. So that's what unspoken is. It's, uh, it's, it's just supporting people in speaking their truth. And I love the way you started this podcast by, or this interview by saying, well, I know what you do, but tell me who you are. That's really the conversations I love to have. Just what I talked about earlier with the therapy uh, component is I want to, I want, I'd love for therapy to begin to be, or, or certain components of it to begin normalized into humanity. And, uh, and that's what the podcast is about is we have conversations. I don't pull out therapeutic tools that, that train up. They're not a therapy session. I love, there's a few podcasts, Esther Perel and others that I love that do that. Uh, we don't want to, we're not doing that. We're just doing conversations that are deep, rich and meaningful. And after they're over, a lot of people do say, wow, that felt like a therapy session. And I was like, I know. And it was just a conversation in that it's called the unspoken podcast and, and, and we're new to it. It's been humbling up my, myself and my co-host Ruthie, Lindsay, we're having fun. And sometimes we know what we're doing and sometimes we don't. So, um, absolute uh, relatable. (laughs) (laughs) When I first started this podcast, I recorded while sitting cross-legged on the floor of my closet (laughs) and propping up my microphone where in the bin, where I normally keep my socks. So yeah, I get that. Um, it's a learning curve. We'll have, um, 
all the links, you guys, over on the transcript page at jenhatmaker.com. We'll have um, the resources that Miles mentioned. We'll link over to the on-site places. We'll link to Miles' socials, and we'll link to his podcast. So it's all going to be in one place. All right, very quickly, I'm going to just rapid-fire three questions with you. These are, these are three quick questions that we have asked everybody in this series um, for The Love of Good Change, which has been one of my favorite series we've done in a year. I... Um, I, I am so grateful for your investment here and for your expertise, and I just cannot think of a better way to end this series. So here's the first one. Um, what's the best small change you've ever made in your life? Just a little, a small dial turn. Ooh. Mm-hmm, I know. Good question. <laughs> I know. One thing I've been doing recently, which is small but uh, helpful is that you heard me say in the beginning of this interview that I struggle sometimes separating who I am from what I do. And this kind of comes from, it's kind of Chinese in origin as best I can understand it. But one thing that someone helped advise me is that when you walk in your house at the end of the day, before you go through uh, the family room or see uh, or are greeted by kids or spouses or anybody else, actually go straight to your room or closet or a room or closet and change clothes, change from your work, uh, uniform or clothes or whatever to whatever you might wear at home and then come out as if you're just arriving and greet and be greeted. And there's something about that little small change that has helped me be more present at home. It basically, it's like I'm hanging up work and putting it over here. Um, I don't need to bring whatever lingering part of it is still there. And, uh, I'm showing up uh, present and ready for family at home. That's fabulous. It's like Mr. Rogers and I love it. Um, how about this? What's one just positive thing, big or small that you do most every day? Prayer and meditation. Mm, uh, and those are both important to me. Uh, they're consistent, but they change. And so I'm, I'm a big, I've got ADD, so I'm not much of a sitting meditation guy, but I'm a walking meditation. So I, yeah. I but I learned to meditate on on the move. I love labyrinths. I love being outside and doing mindfulness stuff. So those have been very important. But I usually I usually start every day with serenity prayer, and that's uh, that's, that's been a very helpful, easy thing for me to do before my feet ever hit the ground. Great answer. Um, and thank you also for saying that mindfulness and meditation doesn't necessarily have to be still. I appreciate that. I, I'm not a naturally still person. And so, um, uh, that is, that can absolutely be accomplished in your life when you are w- walking outside, when you are on the move. I thank you for saying that. Here's the last one. Um, this is a question that Barbara Brown Taylor asked in one of her books that we love, and this can be, it can be serious or not. It can be big. It can be small. Um, what is saving your life right now? The outdoors has always saved my life. That's good. Um, and I just, uh, but honestly, right now, my son, uh, I, I think I had, I can be a little bit, I can be serious by nature and then let a few people see my lighthearted, funny um, mm. self. I don't know what happened there. I don't know why that happened. I probably need to unpack that a little bit at some point. But I, I, when I walk into a room and I see really funny, quick-witted people and they get to show that gift right away, I'm always yeah. a little envious or like, man, I wish I had more people could see me that way. Because when I'm at home, I'm a total goofball. Yeah. But my son has brought that back. 
uh, in a big way. Of course, I guess you just do that as a parent, but uh, I think I needed that. I needed to flex my humor muscle. I needed to not take myself so serious. And every minute we're making each other laugh. I'm running all over the house. It's just, (laughs) I think my son right now is bringing out a part of my personality that had been buried uh, longer than I knew. And it's breathing into me currently. What a great answer. So can you just tell everybody as we wrap it up, like um, what you're working on and where folks can find you? Yes, I am. uh, You can find me at, at miles Edcox is socials. Um, Instagram is probably my favorite. I, I spend probably a little too much time on there, but I love to, to either uh, catalog family moments or uh, write thoughts about things that inspire me or things that I'm learning there. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm on the others as well. Um, at on-site workshops, also, uh, I, I write some of that. We've got some good people. Some of our clinical team put some of that content out as well. So you can find me at either of those two places. And uh, the most exciting thing I'm working on, and the hardest, is uh, a book. So good for you, <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited about that. It probably, I hope, if I can meet some deadlines, uh-huh. it will be towards the end of this year. Right on. Good for you. I cannot wait for that to come out. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for your, um, just who you are. And I appreciate your work in this world so very much. And it's not small and it matters greatly. And I thank you for putting so many um, healthy leaders in front of me and for serving them so well because they've in turn served me and my communities community too. And so, um, I just say well done to you and I am cheering you on in every way and so grateful for you and for the work of onsite, um, and what a difference it's making in the world. So thanks for being on today. Wow. Thank you. This was, this was encouraging and I had a good time. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for those words. They mean a lot. I'm taking them all in. You are welcome. Thanks miles. All right. Thank you. He is so good and so dear. Um, I hope that that served you like it did me. That whole, I I will, I should take a picture of my notebook that has, that I have laying next to my microphone because I was just scribbling some notes um, as we went because I couldn't wait for the transcript to get back to me. Um, I appreciate Miles so much. And so um, as always, guys, you will be able to find everything we mentioned over at jenhatmaker.com underneath the transcript page, all the links, all the stuff, um, everything that you heard or didn't have time to jot down, we will have linked for you over there. And so I just want to give a real quick attaboy to all of you who are taking your own soul care seriously. I just, I'm just cheering for you. I am. And I'm, I'm thankful that you have the courage to do this, to face it head on and, um, to realize it's just like what, um, Miles said earlier. Uh, it's not what's wrong with you. It's what's right with you. And this isn't something you need, but something you deserve. Um, and so bravo to every one of you, um, moving into space so that you can be the most whole and the most healthy person that you can be. Um, so good on you guys. I hope if you have not listened to the entirety of the, for the love of good change series, I am telling you, go back and pick up what you missed. Um, there's, there's not a bad apple in the bunch. Every single one of them to me was so meaningful. Um, definitely worth your time. Even a second listen. Um, one of my favorite series we've ever done. And guess what? Guess what's coming up? You're going to love it. And this is a lot of fun. Starting next week, we are moving into For the Love of Music. 
This was one of your ideas that you gave us. As always, we are paying attention to your feedback and what you say. And a bunch of you said, hey, knock, knock. We're very interested in For the Love of Music. And so it's so much fun. We have so many great guests. <laughs> I'm tickled. I'm tickled because we're going to have a great time over the next few weeks. And so um, you're not going to want to miss it. Come back and find our first guest in the For the Love of Music next week. You guys, thanks for being fabulous listeners. I love this podcast community so, so much. So on behalf of Laura and Amanda and our whole crew, um, we love serving you. See you next week. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.